0: Hello there. This is Colin Symes again with the second in this series of podcasts on the theme of worship in the scriptures. I said at the end of the last podcast that I was going to look at the story of Israel in Egypt, but actually the Lord diverted me a little bit and whispered into my ear that he was wanting me to speak a little bit about another character in Genesis. And so I'm kind of diverting from what I said but I really feel that this is an important part of the whole theme of worship in the scriptures. A few weeks ago, I went with my granddaughter, Phoebe, to Glasgow, to the science centre there, and we were privileged to go into the planetarium. I don't know if you've ever been in a planetarium, but the idea is that you sit in an auditorium with seats that lie back and look at the ceiling, And then projected onto the ceiling is an impression of the whole of the cosmos, the whole, all of the stars that you could ever see from earth. It really was overpowering, really was overwhelming. And literally when we opened our eyes and saw these stars above us, the reaction inside us was just to go, wow, look at that. We were just amazed at the power of what God had created. In Psalm 8, The psalmist says, when I look at the heavens and I think about the work of your fingers, the sun, the stars that you've made, what is man that you keep him in mind? What is man that you think about him? Our reaction to seeing just what God has made is to go, wow. I want to look at a character from Genesis who learned how to say wow before God and who had an encounter with God that was life changing, that changed the direction of his life. I'm reading from uh, from Genesis chapter 28 and starting at verse 10 and then I want to comment on this in the context of worship. Genesis twenty-eight ten. Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and travelled towards Haran. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stopped there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven and he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway at the top of the stairway stood the Lord and he said I am the Lord the God of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your father Isaac the ground you are lying on belongs to you I'm giving it to you and your descendants your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth They will spread out in all directions, to the west and the east, to the north and the south, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you, and I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you till I have finished giving you everything I promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. But he was also afraid and said, What an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. The next morning Jacob got up very early. He took the stone he'd rested his head against and he set it upright as a memorial pillar. Then he poured olive oil over it. He named that place Bed-El, which means house of God, although it was previously called Luz. Then Jacob made this vow if God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and if he will provide me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God, and this memorial pillar I have set up will become a place for worshipping God, and I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. That's rather a lengthy reading, but it gives that picture of, of Jacob who is actually running away. Jacob has actually stolen, as it were, the blessing of his brother, and he's running away to his relatives in the north in Mesopotamia, where his uh, grandfather came from, where Abraham already came from, to find a wife for himself, but also to protect himself from the anger of his brother. And here he comes to a place probably about halfway on his journey, He's uh, come from Be'er Sheva, which is right in the south of Israel in the desert. And he's come up to just above the Jordan Valley to a place which today is called Betin uh, in, in the West Bank in Israel. And he is he finds there a place to stay. Now, it must have been a very rough place. It must have been a very rocky place because the only thing he can find to lay his head on at night as a pillow is a rock. Imagine finding a rock in the desert and having to rest on that. But as he sleeps in this deserted place, in this place where he's alone, in this place where he's in need, God comes to him in a dream. God comes to him in a dream and he sees God. It's very clear although he sees angels going up and down this stairway into the sky, God is there at the head of the stairway and God speaks to him. Now it's interesting here, there isn't a building in sight. There's no structure here. There's no nothing permanent, all he's got is a stone, the pillow that he's lying on. But God comes to him and he is there in the place of encounter. And when he wakes up, he realizes what's going on. In Edinburgh, not far from where I live, is the local synagogue, the local congregation, the Jewish congregation here in Edinburgh. And I always am uh, impacted when I walk past it because above the door of the synagogue, written in Hebrew, are these words, Ein Zeh Ki'im Bet Elohim. This is no other than the house of God. Those are the words that Jacob spoke when he woke up. Those are some of the things that he felt, the things that he said when he woke up and he realized that he was in God's presence. There wasn't a special place. There wasn't a special building it wasn't a place of pilgrimage, but God encountered him there. And one of the key things about worship is that it's an encounter with God. It is a deep meeting with him personally. And so uh, so Jacob says, surely the Lord is in this place. And I didn't know it. That's the other thing he says. He was unaware of it. He was so busy getting on his journey, running away. He hadn't taken space to include the Lord. But then he says something uh, that reflects how he feels about this experience. He says, how awesome is this place? How fearful is this place? It's more or less that Jacob is saying, wow, God is here and I didn't realize it. God is here and I didn't know it. And this is something very key about worship is that it's standing before God saying, wow, God, you're amazing. Wow, God, look at who you are, look at what you do, look at how you've done things. And it's focusing on him and it's allowing that power of God to impact our lives. So that's the first thing I want to say about Jacob. But as well as the awe, and as well as this wow that comes to Jacob, something else happens, and it's later in his life, because Jacob goes from this place, and you'll notice that at the end of our reading there, Jacob kind of bargains with God, and he says, "Okay, God, I know that you're here, and I'm going to set up this stone as a memorial, as a reminder of our agreement, if you bring me back here, then I will let you be my God. It's very patronizing in a way. So Jacob goes off, and there's this incredible uh, series of events that happens in his life. Then God leads him to his relatives, uh, to his uncle Laban, and uh, and and to these these women, uh, Rachel and Leah. One of whom he falls in love with; the other one who is foisted on him to be his wife, and jacob this one who has always been the one who twists and turns the one who tries to fix things the one who's always out to make things happen he actually gets it gets it back on him something is is done back to him very similar so his uncle laban is is of a similar character and there's this ridiculous uh competition that goes on as well between his wives to have more children and then the wives uh, in, involve their servant girls as well who also have sons for, for for Jacob and they, they come he comes away eventually with 12 sons and he comes away with f- flocks of sheep that he didn't have originally that belonged to him because God is with him but he thinks it's his cleverness that's done it and now God brings him in Genesis uh, in Genesis 32 he comes to the place where God actually encounters him. So he's coming back from this adventure he's been on in, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in Mesopotamia. He comes back from that adventure and God meets him again, as he did in Genesis 28. But this time, God isn't standing at the top of a stairway. God comes right close up to him, right close. In his face, literally, he comes out up to him. And we read in Genesis 32 and verse 22, during the night, Jacob got up, took his two wives, his two servant wives and his 11 sons and crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp. And a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. And When the man saw that he would not win the match, He touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of his socket. Then the man said, let me go, for dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What's your name? The man asked. He replied, Yaakov. Your name will no longer be Yaakov, the man told him. From now on you will be called Israel, because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said why do you want to know my name? The man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. And Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. This is an amazing sequel to the story we just looked at in Genesis 28, Because here is Jacob, and he's coming back. He's not at Bethel yet. He's not yet at the place where he set up that memorial stone. But God meets him. And God has this, again, this encounter with him. But this time, it's an encounter, not where God is at the top of the stairway, but where God is face up with him. God is so close to him that he's touching him. That if you picture two men wrestling, it's some of the most intimate that two men get when they're they're literally squashing each other's faces in and bodies close up together. And God, through this through this encounter, gets so close to Abraham that he's literally, gets so close close to Jacob that he's literally in his face. It's really interesting that God does this to Jacob because Jacob in a sense doesn't deserve it, but God is so determined to get close up to Jacob. I had an experience a number of years ago when my granddaughter was very young. She was about 18 months old and I was holding her during a worship time in our community. And I was singing and praising God, just lost in love with God, and very involved and engaged in the worship. But I was holding my granddaughter, who was about 18 months, in my arm, and she suddenly put her cheek against my cheek. And she held it there for a good three or four minutes. And it was quite strange because I wasn't paying her any attention. I was just worshiping the Lord, but she was holding her cheek against my cheek and she held it there all that time. And then I heard the Lord say something which has never left me and I've never forgotten. He said, Colin, this is how I want to be with you. I want to be so intimate, so close. I want to be cheek to cheek with you. In that sense, God was cheek to cheek with Jacob. God was close up with Jacob. And there's something key in worship that is both awesome, we have this great, amazing God, but he is a God who doesn't keep himself at a distance, but who comes close to us, who puts his cheek up against our cheek and who wants to know us that closely, that intimately. And again, at the end of this experience, Jacob is standing and saying, wow, I could have died. I've got that close to God. And so he calls the place where that happened, Paneel, the face of God. Now, one thing that's interesting is that in the Hebrew language, there isn't a separate word for the word presence. And where the word presence is translated in our, uh, in our Bibles, it tends to be this word panim, again, the face of God. Because God always comes in person. God never comes as a, uh, a, a as a, a, an object. He never comes as a, a, an ethereal thing, as a force in the atmosphere. He always comes as a person with a face. And so here Jacob encounters the face of God, and he calls this place Paneel, the face of God. And so what we're left with here is the picture of these two amazing balancing senses of God the God who is so great so awesome that he could strike us down he could finish us off with one breath of his mouth but instead he wants to come close to us he wants to be intimate with us he is not distant he's not far away and we see that in this story of Jacob who is the one who comes before God and who places himself eventually, when he does come to Bethel, he gives everything over to God. That's a few chapters later on. He does come to Bethel, and actually his wives, there bury all their idols. That's another story. But at Bethel, they bury the idols. They finish with everything that competes with God. And they say, we are giving ourselves totally to God. What does this mean for you today, I wonder? Are you in a place where you can see the power the wonder the majesty of God can you right now as we're sitting together as you're listening to my voice here can we just take a moment just to lift your eyes wherever you are and just to consider for a moment the amazing God he is and just take this moment and say wow God go on just try that just say wow God Oh, God, oh, how amazing you are. Oh, how wonderful you are. Oh, how glorious you are. Just take a moment to wonder at him. And then also in that moment, can you sense him coming close? Can you sense him coming, putting his arm around you, putting his cheek against your cheek? This is the God who has come to us in our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a scripture in the 1 Corinthians in the New Testament that says, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to reveal the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, where? In the face of Jesus Christ. And we experience God, not as far as distant, not as a frightening angel, but we experience him in the person of Jesus Christ, who has come to us, who has become one of us, who knows our life, who has lived our life, who has taken our life through to the cross and to the grave, but has risen again. And in his resurrection life is ascended and is the right hand of the father. This is the one who comes close to us today. This is the one who puts his arm around us today. I'm going to pray. Will you join with me? Father, We just want to stand before you and say, wow, how awesome you are, how amazing you are. I thank you, Lord, that we don't need special places and buildings and structures to meet you, that you are willing to meet with us where we are and you're willing to bless us where we are. And I just pray today, Lord, that you will come close. I pray that my listeners, the people who are listening to this, will just know you cheek to cheek, close up with them, that they may sense your love, sense your closeness today. Because in Jesus, you have made your face visible. You have made your arms known to be around us. You, have, you are standing before the Father's face, Jesus, and you are praying for us today. You love us. Our names are on your lips. So we thank you, Lord, for the gift of worship. We thank you for the gift of intimacy and also for the gift of being able to say, wow, God, you are amazing. So we bless you, God, today and ask you to keep us in a place of closeness to you and to deepen that place so that we may constantly know more and more of your great love. I ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.